Hello and welcome to Conquering Chaos and Mayhem. I'm today's moderator, Breck Lover, and it's my pleasure to introduce the host of Conquering Chaos and Mayhem, Daryl Cully. Daryl, how are you today? Great, Brett. How are you doing? I'm, I'm excellent. Thanks for asking. Daryl, we've got an interesting guest lined up today out of the District in North Vancouver Fire and Rescue Service. I'm happy to introduce Fire Chief Brian Hutchinson. Chief Hutchinson, welcome to Conquering Chaos and Mayhem. Uh, good morning, Brett. Good morning, Daryl. Daryl, I'll turn it over to you. It's bound to be an interesting conversation. Brian, this this is exciting um, because we're we're having the opportunity to interview the leaders of the leaders um, across the country, and your reputation is known uh, across the country. First of all, you have a, an accredited fire department, which is fairly unusual in Canada. Uh, you're one of the few. Can, can you tell me what makes that special? What what makes that uh, stand out? Sure. So the District North Vancouver Fire and Rescue Service is, is one of uh, 10 uh, fire service agencies in Canada that is accredited uh, alongside uh, Calgary and, and Ottawa and, and a number of others. Um, there's just over 300 accredited fire service agencies globally. Uh, we started that process uh, probably back in 2021. Uh, our journey towards accreditation. And, and really for us, it was about, you know, um, identifying the fact that as a, as a fire service agency that we strive to incorporate, um, you know, industry best practices, that we strive to meet those, those international standards. And most importantly, and the message that we often convey uh, with our staff is that it reflects our desire as an entity and as individuals to seek continuous improvement. And I, and I think as a fire service agency, if you um, think that status quo is going to um, is going to work in this day and age, then you're sadly mistaken. Um, we need to we need to consistently be looking to move forward and. And it isn't about just implementing change, but it's about identifying, you know, where the community needs are. Our communities are changing on a regular basis and the emergency services, whether it be, um, you know, your local emergency management agency or, or your uh, pre-hospital care delivery entity or your fire service need to be keeping up with the needs of the community. You can't be delivering service that's reflective of 1990 um, when you're in 2023. So what got you thinking about accreditation? What got, I mean, that's a long process. It, it didn't occur overnight. Yeah. In fact, it's probably a two-year process. It was. It was probably two years, um, probably a little bit more of that, if I count how long it was on the whiteboard behind me. Um, before, you know, and this is an interesting side note, is it was on my whiteboard as, as one of those um, aspirational things. And there's a number of items back there that are aspirational, that are not on the immediate workflow and one of um, one of our assistant chiefs, we've got a command staff of seven. One of our assistant chiefs uh, came, set up a, a time to see me uh, on a, a normal workday. Didn't really indicate what it was. Just said, "Hey, I'm wondering if I can uh, have a bit of your time for a chat." Came in. Um, I'm standing very similar to as I am now, and we're having a conversation. And this uh, this assistant chief, uh, she she says to me, she says. Um, I want to lead our accreditation efforts. And, and as she said that, she's standing there looking at the, at the whiteboard and looking at me. And, and I was, you know, I was really impressed that 
she had the wherewithal to identify that there was something organizationally that that was aspirational that that I had my eye on and she had taken the time to understand and unpack what that meant um she probably didn't fully um as, as none of us did um comprehend the the depth and the breadth uh of that process uh but uh that that really started our journey. Um, and, and we started to go, okay, well, if, if we've got somebody that's willing to help champion this, as the fire chief, of course, I have to meet, be the champion. But if I have somebody internally on my staff that's willing to lean in, become our accreditation manager, and some of it, Daryl, and that's the side story, but some of it was examples of other fire departments. And, and I remember Calgary um, with Chief Dongworth going through a process where there was some financial pressures on the on the municipality and having a relationship with Chief Dongworth prior to that I was very impressed with how they were able to identify for their elected leadership based on the fact that they had done all the work of accreditation when they were asked to make um, financial decisions uh, to, to reduce the budget, that they were able to clearly come back to council and go, this, w we can do it. And this here will be the, the, the definitive impacts of those budget changes. And that's very different than the historic fire service, where, where we've always tried to do more with less. So we continue to go okay we're gonna we're gonna revise our budget and we'll continue to do what we're doing we're we're a more data-driven evidence-based decision-making model that the the accreditation process really supports um you have an entity that goes okay um and and as elected officials, you have to be okay with this. And it may be the fact that response times in some of the areas of the municipality will undoubtedly increase by this percentage, right? That's very, that's a very definitive decision. There's no gray areas there um, for your elected leadership to, to be able to, to, to shy away from. And, and what I saw that do, well, while Calgary still had to make those, those cuts, when things started to change, Calgary was able to really lean back in and go, okay. And the elected officials understanding accreditation were also able to go, this is where we want to get to as a, as a municipality in the service delivery realm. And I was like, that's where the fire service needs to be. And so that's really what got me going. Accreditation gets us there. And, and I think accreditation brings that type of data-driven, evidence-based decision-making, strategic planning, community risk assessments. It brings it all into the culture uh, of the organization and it becomes a norm. Um, that's really what I felt that accreditation would, would do. So many entities do little pieces. Oh, we'll do a strategic plan. We'll do a fire master plan or we'll do a community risk assessment. But bringing it all together in a holistic way in a package that you then incorporate within your entity to, to move you forward. So probably a little long-winded, but that's really for me where I where, what, what motivated the efforts towards accreditation. We got accredited in March of 2022 when we sat before the board in Orlando, Florida. And I um, believe that even some of the initiatives we've already been able to put in place 
our efforts through accreditation and our relationship with our elected officials, and in fact, with the rest of the municipality, have been nothing but enhanced um, by accreditation and uh, has allowed us really to, to lean in. And, and when people are asking why we're asking for A, B, or C, not only do we have strategic plans and community risk assessments uh, and community risk reduction plans to back that up, but we can also lean on the accreditation piece and go, we've committed to continuous improvement and to meeting industry best practice and international standards. And there's not really an argument to make against that, right? So, <laughs> No, there's not. Um, and it puts you and your fire department in the top less than 1% of all the fire services in Canada, right? I mean, that that's, that's truly um, something to be, to be honored and to be proud of. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, for me, when I, when I get out of my vehicle in the morning and I park next to, we've got a couple of uh, command vehicles and, and a support vehicle, where where I land, um, both of those uh, you know F three fifty pickups with a with a command component, um, but they have the the accreditation the CFAI decal on the on the side of the apparatus. So every morning that decal is is right in my face, and and it reminds me every morning of of what we've achieved and what we continue to need to achieve because it's it's never it's not a one and done as nothing should be in the in the fire service it should never be a one and done and that there still continues to be work but it is a reminder that that as an entity and as an organization we have we 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 are striving um to be you know in that group of leaders in in the fire service to make us all better right so and so what's the impact on the frontline firefighter? Yeah, you know, I think you know, we're as of a size that we we have an ability to engage with our staff. So we've got 140 personnel, so five fire stations, four platoons. Um so so not huge, not like a, a Calgary where I think um, getting the message out about accreditation can be challenging um, to, to, to engage with that large of a number. So I think that the, what we're seeing and what we try and tell a story. So we recently um, upstaffed one of our pieces of apparatus. Uh, for the last 23 years, this was a, uh, a crossover tower rescue unit. Um, historically, yeah, for over two decades, historically staffed with three. And, you know, so it had been my goal for quite some time to make sure that we had four person staffing on all of our apparatus, just like everything else we do, and that we could actually start to use that ladder as a frontline firefighting piece of apparatus with three people, it doesn't meet that for us. And so um, part of part of our story and part of our move to do that, which we rolled out phased in last year. And then the second phase this year was when we tell the story with our personnel that, that that is meant to enhance their safety, uh, their capability to deliver service, um, our ability to um, uh, mobilize an effective response force in the shortest possible period of time. And like we say, the, we want the largest number of firefighters on the scene in the shortest period of time for firefighter safety, uh, customer service, and to mitigate the incident. And so we, we tell the story and we bring accreditation into that. That's 
continuous improvement. Um, our efforts to move to a higher level of pre-hospital care, which at this point in time, I would say over 90% of our personnel have transitioned to a, a new level of, of qualification in that field. That was a multi-year effort. And again, when asked why, because we're seeking continuous improvement. If and I and I often said that if when we had the uh, accreditation, the, the the peer reviewers, peer assessors um, come and assess when they were going out to the fire stations. Of course, they we gave them vehicles and they went and engaged with our staff, and we weren't there. I often said beforehand, if if our members remembered only one thing about accreditation. Um, uh, you know, if the if somebody said, well, what's this accreditation? What's this decal on the truck? If a captain or a firefighter said, it's about continuous improvement, those two words, if that's all they remember, then that's a win. And that's about integrating it into the into the culture. So I think that's where, uh, and, and you know, of course, we also work at the chief officer level, you know, the, the Agency accreditation is a big piece, but all our chief officers uh, working towards or having achieved uh, credentials, whether through the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs, the Executive Chief Fire Officer, or through the CF, um, the CPC, which is attached to the CFAI. I'm throwing out a bunch of acronyms, but the Commission on Prof Professional Credentialing. So Chief Fire Officer, Chief Training Officer, Fire Marshal. So all of our chief officers are, are doing those and, and or have them. And when members ask, well, why? The answer is continuous improvement. Uh, if we if we seek continuous improvement as, as an agency, we should be seeking continuous improvement as individuals. And our hope is uh, the long term hope is that that filters continuously into the into the organization and that um, we actually have a process in place um, for for are confirmed captains, any confirmed captain that wants to pursue fire officer three, um, that is funded. Any um, confirmed captain that wants to pursue uh, the uh, fire officer credential through the CPC or the ECFO Aspire through the Canadian Association of Fire Chiefs, that is funded. And if they achieve both of those on an annual basis, first pay period, um, in January, we have uh, uh, allotted a, an annual stipend that they will get on their first paycheck every year forever um, for holding the fire officer three and for holding a credential. So we're trying to work that through the entity. Um, we believe that as we as we engage larger numbers of captains, the, the senior firefighters will be looking at what the captains are doing and, and that continuous improvement will uh, um, just just become a cultural norm in in what we're doing so yeah obviously you had to have council's buy-in and i think a lot of um chiefs may be wary of that going to work to council and saying you know hey this is a two three-year project it's going to cost us some money we're going to have to um uh really take a look at what we're doing and I think sometimes in the consulting world, we see councils being hesitant even to do master fire plans because they're afraid it may end up costing them money or there's recommendations for the spending of money. How did you get that council buy-in? How did you get them to say, yes, this is what we need to do? 
So we've worked hard um, to build that relationship with our, our uh, political level well in advance. Um, you know, um, when councils get elected uh, each year, we, we host them at the fire station. Uh, you know, in the, in the past, we do a mini fire ops 101, um, get them in, in turnout gear and, and let them pull some hose. But at the very least, we've We've brought them to the station. Um, we've had chief officers give them an overview of the portfolios and projects they oversee. And then historically, we always end that session by taking them upstairs onto the fire floor and having our members you know, well uh, prepared in advance, but having our members, particularly with the rescue, pulling gear off. We've we've had um, council members putting on, we do a lot of interface rescue work, uh, putting on the large bass backpack that has a foldable stretcher in it. We've had council members in the vacuum stretcher and, and hoisting off the floor so that they get to engage with our staff and understand what we um, what we do in the community. We're very active on social media, um, telling our story. We try very hard to engage with the community on a, on a regular basis. COVID was a great example where, um, and we took the example from Calgary actually, but we um, did drive-by birthday parties uh, as an example. And we did uh, well over a hundred of those, um, you know, through throughout COVID. And and it's little things like that 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 we see positive feedback um, from uh, from our elected officials, and then really what we did, you know, as we started our journey with accreditation, um, we uh, and we call it a strategic plan. For me, I, I look at fire master plans and strategic plans very very similar in their uh, intended outcome for a fire service uh, entity. Uh, what we did though. I find that when when we have an opportunity to do fire master plans, usually that provides um, a little more uh, detail and, and direction in terms of what we're doing. So we took a step back and wanted to take a bigger picture um, with the strategic plan. And when we put the time and effort into that, we then presented that to council. And we presented it in a way that, hey, we want to show you what our plan is for the for the next five years. Uh, we want you to know that one of those aspects is that we're going to be seeking accreditation. And, and let us tell you a little bit about what that is. So what we did is we really started, and then we started to work through our, our community risk assessment and our community risk reduction plan and, and all those journeys. Um, so we didn't come in and go, hey, we're doing accreditation and we have to do all these things. We came in and said, we're doing all these things because it's what we need to do to serve the community. And they will also help us on our journey towards accreditation. So it, 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 it took away the focus of accreditation and allowed us to focus on we're doing what we need to be doing. And, and we got the buy-in and, and we were able to get those pieces uh, really um, accepted in the kind of vernacular of our conversations with our, our elected officials. And, and, by the time we came to um, telling them that we were ready to move towards accreditation and that a peer team was going to be coming and that we would need them to be available, particularly mayor and, and senior members of council to meet with this peer team, um, they, they weren't surprised by uh, accreditation and they didn't look at it as this, this big thing. And the nice thing about it was 
is the recommendations that come out of accreditation. Um, you know, there was identification of things we're doing well, and there was identification of things where we can be doing things better. And there was recommendations in there that as part of our conversation with council, um, we were able to say, that's an aspirational recommendation. Um, when we prioritize these recommendations to make sure we're de delivering the best service to the community, here's what we need to work on. Uh, and there's some other pieces here that yes, they've been identified, but we're, we're not gonna be able to get to those in our immediate you know, workflow. So they were very, very accepting of it. Um, and, and I think the real key is, is nothing that came forward in, in the recommendations through accreditation isn't something that um, uh, we hadn't already normalized at some point in time, right? The mayor and I, he sets up an annual lunch for him and I, the first quarter of every year, he does it with all the department heads in the district. Um, and we go out and so I'll just tell you again, a tangent a little bit here, but um, you know, one of the first lunches I had with the mayor, I said, what are your concerns as, as the civic leader of this, of this municipality, what are your public safety concerns? And he said, um, uh, post-disaster, earthquake capability, pre-hospital care, and wildfire response. And, uh, uh, we, we had a number of things going, but, um, I was like, we got you covered. Um, these are the things that we're looking at as well. Um, here's some of the things that we're we're going to be looking at long term to support those. Um, but but we we got this. It's on our radar. And so every year when we when we get back together, we revisit where he's at and and his thoughts and where he sees the community. We're able to paint a really good picture for him around our lens uh, of the community and the and the risks that are out there and the things that are on our radar, whether it be aging population, climate change, all those other pieces and given them update and provide them, I think, a sense of comfort that that emergency response capability piece is in good hands and that we're, you know, using the resources that we're being given in a responsible manner. And so, so I found that, that we, because of all that front end work, it wasn't something we dropped on them. It wasn't new to them um, that, that they knew that we were a strategic thinking, strategic looking organization. So I think that the fact that we were saying, hey, well, now we're going to aim towards accreditation. Um, my guess is from the response that we got, they went, well, yeah, of course you are. Um, and and, and we, we went from there, right? So... You know, I, I started off at the beginning saying, you know, there are leaders and then there are real leaders. And it's obvious um, why you've got that reputation. Um, and being able to, to move a, a fire service forward in the, in the way you have. Any um, recommendations or suggestion for the fire chief who's out there on the fence going, you know, I've got... 15 things on the go already. I've got pressures from council. I got pressures from the, the, the union. I've got, you know, all these things happening. Um, any, any bit of advice on why taking that next step um, is worth the additional, I guess, say additional work, the additional um, investment? Yeah. Well, I think, 
you know, any time that we we have an opportunity to um, take a step back and reflect on what we do and how we do it, uh, and where you can have uh, outside um, um, outside perspectives brought in, and and entities do that in a number of different ways. It could be you know somebody having somebody come in and doing a master plan or a community risk assessment. But but I think as an organization, you have to self reflect if you're going to go through the accreditation process. And I know a lot of chiefs are going to say, okay, who has time to self reflect? It's like okay, but if you if you don't take the time to think about where you want to go, um, then how are you ever going to get there? Like you know, um, there's an old phrase, and I have gotten beat up for using it, but but proactive futuring, right? In the fire service, you know, what is the ideal state of the fire service in the future? Um, and and if we don't think about that, then then you're never going to achieve it. Um, so it's it's about carving out that time. It's also about identifying, you know, uh, uh, other leaders within your organization, particularly those that you may want to assist developing through succession planning um, and carving out time in their workflow. Uh, and sometimes that may mean seconding somebody up to alleviate some of that workflow. So there may be other, uh, but so there's a financial issue there. So you go, okay, you're going to make somebody an acting assistant chief to cover off an operational element so that this assistant chief can work on um, uh, work on accreditation. And while there's a cost to that, there there is. But think about the, the return on investment. Not only are you succession planning somebody within your organization that can then uh, be your accreditation manager and help champion that, but you're also giving someone else an opportunity to succession plan. The, the key has to be, it can't be, it has to be a program and not a project. And I think too often is we assign it to somebody and go, get us to accreditation and it's one person. And then that, that, that isn't, you know, incorporated and disseminated into the into the entity as a whole and it's not going to be sustainable and you're not going to get the value out of it if any fire chief was looking at it the first thing i would ask i would say when was the last time you were out at a fire station um and i and i know i live i live it as well um you know i go okay we've got five fire stations four platoons that's 20 work sites and we're a smaller department compared to a lot out there so I know and I understand the challenges of getting out to the kitchen table, um, but we have to feel out and start to have the conversation at the kitchen table and, and get a sense of where the culture is and where the organization is and start to drop accreditation and, and, the, and the concept and who else has done it and tell stories, right? Telling, you know, I found that telling the Calgary story at the kitchen table Tweaked interest. Now, firefighters have a lot of other things on their on their minds that, and they're very operationally focused. But you tell these little stories, and people go, "Huh, that's that's interesting." Somebody else has used that, and 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 it's had a benefit to their organization. It's helped them hold and maintain and build um, for the future. So that would be kind of two parts there, Daryl. I, I know I may not have totally hit the the question but two parts is really getting a taking a pulse check of the organization uh, and starting to to normalize the conversation around accreditation well before even taking that first 
that first initial step. And then two, looking internally and going, okay, where, where do we have the depth? Where do we have uh, champions? And, and ensuring that, that that champion has the support of the rest of the organization. Uh, and we work hard to dis- disperse the workload uh, we had captains, um, you know, uh, captains in training, captains in public safety, uh, heavily engaged in helping um, create the content for our accreditation package. So, and that's about developing future leaders, but also about allowing them to take ownership of the areas that they have expertise in. Um, so, uh, that's that's kind of what I would say. I, I think for any fire chief, there's. Um, it, you know, everybody always wants to know what's the ROI, right? What's the return right. on investment here? And I tried to tell people that, and I, well, I believe that we've already started to see that ROI here in the district. I was very comfortable with the fact that the ROI may not land while I'm still here. But that's okay, because this is about the long term. And and positioning the organization um, to weather the storm, and whether it be financial, whatever it be, what might be, um, and to really, you know, a little aside thing. One of the other things that I've used the concept of accreditation around is I've seen it throughout my career when key leadership in a fire service changes, the organization a lot of times does a a, a, a wild shift to a new direction. And then we have another fire chief come in several years later and we do another shift. And I'm like, if our path, if we're trying to aim for for the future and we're taking these wild swings back and forth, um, it's it's like driving down a road and trying to go from ditch to ditch uh, and stay out of the ditch. I'm like, you know, yes, there will be changes with each key leader, each fire chief, they'll, they'll have things they want to do. But if we set the foundation of accreditation and, and the things that it aspires to, um, the next fire chief that comes in has something to build on and, and lean forward from. That's really what it's about. So it was never really about me, but I wanted to be able to leave something for the next fire chief to be able to go, here you go, do with it what you want. But But we've done this for the organization and to set you up for, for helping to move, move us forward, you know? So, which was a little different than when I came in and, and historically, I think for a lot of fire chiefs, when they come in, it's like, okay, um, how, you know, where do we want to get to do an assessment pulse check and, and try and figure things out. I think walking into an accredited agency um, allows the fire chief to start from us from a much higher place on that, on that ladder, so to speak. So. You, you have brought out so many points um, that, uh, I mean, we could just go on forever. And unfortunately, we're, <laughs> we're out of time. But, but you know, you talked about kitchen table leadership and, and, um, and putting a, a, a single direction in front of the fire department. Um, uh, it's truly um, an honor to get to have this opportunity to to chat with you on this. I'm hoping that we'll be able to have, uh, um, add you to our, another podcast or two to, to maybe talk more specifically about, you know, the concept of, of kitchen table leadership going with each platoon or, or some of these other ideas that you've brought out. But thank you, Brian. Um, 
it's been insightful. Actually, you've got me uh, pretty excited because it, it's it's amazing to see how a direction can, can take an whole organization and move it forward in such an amazing way. Again, top 1% of all fire services in Canada. Um, you know, in the world, there's only 300 that have reached yeah. what you've been able to do. So that's that's amazing. Daryl, if I, if I can leave you with one thing, one of the things that I always circle back with here is there's two things that underlie my decision-making process with almost anything we do, firefighter safety and customer service. And accreditation supports both of those uh, immensely. And, and I use those as my guiding principles and as our organizational guiding principles. And that decision-making process lines right up with it. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to share some of that with you. And hopefully we can do this again. Well, I hope we can have you on as well, uh, Chief Hutchinson. I really want to echo Daryl's comments. And thank you for joining us on Conquering Chaos and Mayhem, sharing your insights with us today. It's really appreciated. Thank you. And on behalf of our host, Daryl Cully, I'd like to thank our audience for listening to Conquering Chaos and Mayhem. We'll see you next episode.